uh, to today, um, particularly because of the topic that we're going to be discussing. It's something that's uh, so near and dear to my heart, not because I love it necessarily, just because I've lived it. Uh, so everything I'm going to be talking to you about, uh, I've lived, and in fact, I'm still living through. And, and anyone who knows me or is a close friend of mine knows that it's true. Um, and we're talking about lack, money, not having enough of it. Being broke when you feel like you shouldn't. Being broke when you, when you love God and, and thinking, how is this possible? That I love Jesus this much and I have this much stress. How is it that I love Jesus this much and I have so many problems? How is it that I love Jesus this much and that, and, and I'm being chased, uh, by debt collectors? How is it that I love Jesus this much and it all feels so hard, so difficult? Surely, surely, surely it's not supposed to be like this. This isn't what I was promised. When that evangelist came to me and he told me about the life, uh, the life with Christ, the fullness of it, the grace of it, the joy of it, this is not what I was sold. It was a false bill of goods. Some of you sitting in this room feel that way. Some of you sitting in this room are in despair. Some of you sitting in this room are discouraged. Some of you sitting in this room are wondering about the truth of this life that you've given yourself to, and this Jesus that you've put your heart and your soul and your energy and your strength behind. So what's going on? What's true? What's not? What have you misunderstood? Because clearly something isn't right. And I'm here to agree with you, something's not right. Something's not right. Something's gone wrong. We've gotten the wrong end of the stick somewhere along the way. And I want to tell you that today that there is, there is an answer. It's not an easy answer, but it's the truth all the same. And it's going to empower you to live the life that God meant for you to live. So many people sitting in this room know what poverty looks like. Who knows what poverty looks like? Who knows it up close and personal? Who didn't have enough? Yeah, two hands, two feet here in front. Yeah, who grew up not having everything they needed? Who grew up scared to ask for another pair of shoes? Who didn't even bother to ask to go on school outings? Whose parents couldn't pay for them to go to varsity? Who couldn't feed themselves during varsity and was too scared to call home and ask for money because you knew there was none? So many of us, so many of you in this room know what it means to not have enough. And for so many of us, we thought when we came to Christ, when He filled us with His Spirit, when we began this new journey, that that lack and that poverty and that pain and that pang and that fear and that anxiety and that stress, that those things would be in our past. That they wouldn't be part of your today. That they wouldn't be part of your future. Who's disappointed here? Let's be honest. Let's have a real moment. Who's disappointed? Who feels like it hasn't quite gone the way they thought it would? Who feels like God's promises haven't yet been fully fulfilled in their lives? Specifically, God's financial promises. Yeah? Me. Me. Like I say, I'm, I'm with you. I'm in it. With you. That's why I'm here today. I'm not some guy who's figured it out. I'm not some guy who's, on, guy who's on the other side. I'm a guy who's been learning. Learning the hard way. Trying to discern what's going on. So let's begin at the beginning with the sad truth of what it means to be in this world. I'll take you to Genesis chapter 3 verse 17 where God helps us understand what it means to live in a fallen world. It reads as follows, The very ground is cursed because of you. Getting food from the ground will be as painful as having babies is for your wife. Read another way, getting money 
is going to be as hard for you as it is for your wife having babies. The ground will sprout thorns and weeds, and you'll get your food the hard way. The hard way. The hard way. Planting and tilling and harvesting, sweating in the fields from dawn to dusk, until you return to that ground yourself, dead and buried. You started out as dirt, and you'll end up as dirt. (sighs) Wow. Who identifies with that? Who feels like it's been that hard? Who feels like it's been like childbirth? You know? Uh, Us men, we don't understand childbirth, not really. But trying to make a living, we imagine that's something like that. Who feels like the world is against them? Who feels like everything is resisting them? Who feels as though the world is doing everything it can to not give you what you want? The reason it feels like that is because it's true. This is a fall. I always think, you know, Adam and Eve, I imagine, I imagine they're in heaven. I imagine they're with God. I imagine they're, you know, they made right with Him. You know, they made peace with God in the end. And, uh, and, but I imagine everyone who shows up to heaven and, uh, and gets to meet everyone. Hey Moses, hey, hey Jonah, hey Joshua. Oh, Adam. Oh, Eve. Guys, really? Like, really? They did us wrong. (laughs) They did us really, really wrong. And it's bad. It's really, really bad. Guys, the world is a mess. Let's not lie to ourselves. It's a mess. It's a mess, it's a mess, it's a mess. There's death and war and disease and lack and famine and corruption and Jacob Zuma and this and that and everything. It's a mess. And it's hard. And it's hard for everyone. The world really is trying to kill you. Satan really is trying to strangle you. It's bad. And don't ever allow yourself to be fooled to think otherwise. But Jesus came into the mess. And He made a way. He made a way for us to be reconciled to God. For that relationship to be restored. For us to know Him and love Him, and walk with Him, and talk with Him, and receive His love, and His encouragement, and His counsel, and His direction, here on earth, now, today, He's restored that part of the relationship that was destroyed and broken right back there on day one in the Garden of Eden. So we have that privilege, we have that joy, we have that ability, all of us sitting in this room, filled with the Spirit of God, to commune with Him, to walk with Him as Adam and Eve walked in the garden with Him. But that doesn't mean this is heaven. This is not heaven. We are not in heaven. The world is still broken. The world is still ugly. The world is still painful. And the world is still trying to kill you. But you have Jesus. And so you can stand. And so you can endure. And so you can, by His grace, by His love, by His direction, by His guidance, you can stand and you can thrive in the midst of it all. But that doesn't mean your life won't have trouble. The world is coming after you. You know it's coming after you. Tomorrow's Monday and some of you are scared. You're scared of Monday. 
And not just because you're lazy, you're scared of Monday because all those problems that you walked away from on Friday at 5 p.m., they're coming back. They know your name, they know where you live, and they are coming for you. Because this is a broken and a fallen world. We live in the most unequal country in the world. In the world. And if you're black and sitting in this room, it's that much worse. It's hard to be black. It's hard to be human. It's even harder to be black. (laughs) So in the midst of all of this, I'll give you the answer right up front. The only way out of this mess, the only way to live the life that you've been promised, the life that you received that day when you said yes to Jesus, is to learn to hear your Father's voice, to take instruction and direction from Him, and to learn to do the right thing in the right place at the right time. That is the only sure, fire, foolproof way to live this life in the fullness that God intended. To do the right thing at the right place, at the right time, and the only way to do that is to hear the voice of God, to obey the the voice of God, and to walk in what you've been told. That's the secret sauce. That's the magic bullet. That's the thing that we have that the rest of the world doesn't. It's the only thing. I know a lot of rich people and, and, and a lot of them are pretty dumb and not that special or even that interesting. You know, they're not. But most of them, in fact, all of them have their wealth due to the fact that at a certain moment in their lives they were doing the right thing at the right place, at the right time. And that principle stands for you, for me, for all of humanity. If you can be doing the right thing, at the right place, at the right time, amazing things can happen. Now, a lot of those rich people don't know Jesus and they just happen to be lucky. They happen to be standing, doing the right thing, at the right place, at the right time. You know, there is a thing called luck in this world. And... uh, But we don't have to be lucky. That's the difference. That's the difference. We don't have to be lucky. We just have to be obedient. But you can't obey the thing you didn't hear. You gotta hear it to obey it. And too many of us can't hear. We haven't learned how to hear the voice of God. We know God. We love God. We worship God. We're here. We're praising. We even know the word, but we don't know how to hear him for ourselves in the here and the now. The Holy Spirit came to do a whole bunch of things. A whole bunch of things. Holy Spirit came to, you know, to kind of help us speak in tongues. And the Holy Spirit came to help us do a bunch. But the most important thing that the Holy Spirit came to do was to counsel you. The Holy Spirit is God's conduit between you and Him. It's God's message board. He's the person who tells you what the plan is. He's the person who tells you what the program is for today. Karabo, today we're going that way. Not that way, that way today. That's what the Holy Spirit's for. And too many of us sitting in this room don't know how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Of all the things you can obsess about in this life, and there's so many things to obsess about, so many things to worry about, so many things to be consumed by, there are only two things that ultimately matter in your life. Only two questions. Is God real? Is God real? And the fact that you're sitting here today makes me believe that most of you have answered that question in the affirmative. Yes, God is real. 
There is a God in Israel. He knows me by name. He loves me. He has set me apart. He is real. And I've given my life to Him. Amen. Hallelujah. The second most important question that you should obsess about every day of your life is, am I doing the right thing in the right place at the right time? Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, minister to me. Tell me what to do today. Tell me what to do this month. Tell me what to do this year so that I can be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing and that I can experience the fullness of your love, the fullness of your grace, the fullness of your blessing, the fullness of your provision. There are only two types of situations in this world, folks. Situations that God put you into and situations that you put yourself into. There are only two types of problem in this world. Problems that God put you into and problems that you put yourself into. There are even two types of financial stress. There's the financial stress of being obedient and walking in the thing that God told you. The kind that you feel when you know that you're doing the right thing in the right place at the right time. And you're still feeling financial stress. That's a certain kind of financial stress. And then there's the financial stress you feel when you're out there doing your own thing. Living your own plan. In your own wisdom. In your own strength. And that's a much, much, much worse kind of financial stress. Do you know how to hear the voice of God? Have you spent time training yourself as a believer? To hear the voice of your heavenly father. Can you hear the still small voice. Of the Holy Spirit. Each morning. Telling you to turn this way. Or that way. To go that way. To see that man. Or that woman. To pray this prayer. To open that bank account. To move to that city. Can you do it? This is the most important skill. You can ever invest in. In all your life. Guys. The world has fallen, and the world is falling apart, and there is chaos, and there is death, and there is pestilence, and we, we are the resistance. We are the resistance. We are the last best plan for mankind. And when God comes to us, and He saves us, He invites us to be part of his redemption plan for humankind. He's on a rescue mission for all of us so that no one may perish, so that all may return to him, so that all may be blessed, so that all may have eternal life. So when you get saved, you're getting saved, yes, because he loves you. And he does. But you're getting saved so that you can fulfill your destiny. And your destiny is to be a co-laborer in this redemption plan. To be a part of the resistance. To be a part of the resistance. And the only way, remember this, remember this, remember this. The only way to experience true joy, true peace, true satisfaction in this life, is to understand and to believe and to know that you are in God's will. That you are living the life that He intended you to live. That you are doing the thing that He has set aside for you to do. That you are fulfilling your special, unique, set-apart task in this rescue mission, in this redemption plan. Because each one of us has a role to play. And I dare say, none of us can ever truly be happy. Truly satisfied, truly content apart from that. If you think you're going to be happy just because you love Jesus, it's not true. It, it, it's good to love Jesus, but that's the first step. The second step is to walk with Him, to walk in His purposes, to be who you were meant to be.
Matthew 6, verse, uh, chapter 6 and verse 33, a really important biblical principle is set out. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now the problem, I believe, with the way that we read the scripture that we all know so well, is that we read this in a general sense. Seek the kingdom of God. That's a very general term. We read it to mean to do the things that Christians kind of do. You know, to be good, to show up at church, to, to tithe, to, to go, you know, when we go out on the street and we feed homeless people. That's the kingdom of God. And all those things are the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God is, is, is you finding your place in His kingdom plan. To the extent that you are walking in His will, not generally for believers, but for you specifically, right now, right here, doing the right thing, is to the extent that all these things will be added unto you. Because God blesses His own plans. He blesses His purposes. He provides for His people. We see this again and again and again and again in Scripture. Never does God call someone and not provide for them. He called Abraham and He provided for him. He called Joseph and He provided for him. He called Moses and He provided for him. He called Paul and He provided him. He's going to call you and He's going to provide for you. In His plan, not your plan. There are too many Christians loving Jesus doing the wrong thing at the wrong place at the wrong time and wondering why it's not all falling together. It cannot fall together. Some of you in this room some of you are supposed to be in Cape Town right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pastor says no. And some people in Cape Town are supposed to be here right now. You know? Some of you are in the wrong place. I mean, it's the right place because it's awesome and we love it and we don't want to go and we've got friends and we're comfortable and mom and dad live nearby, but it's the wrong place. Because you haven't learned to listen. Some of you are in the wrong job. And you're wondering why you're not getting a promotion. And why the bills aren't adding up. And you think you're worth so much more. You're doing the wrong thing. Some of you are running the wrong business. It seemed like a great idea. Your friend came and he told you. And there's an opportunity and he thinks you can't go wrong. It's a surefire money thing. You're doing the wrong thing. And God loves you but he can't bless it. God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. See, there's God the Father who loves you. He loves you so much. And He's taking care of you. And He's making sure even as you're making mistakes that you're still okay. Because we all just keep messing up. And I keep messing up. And He's there. And it could be so much worse. You know, even when things, you know, I always say, you know, things can go wrong. And then things can go wrong. And then things can go wrong. You know? And, and, I, and, and even if things aren't quite working out in your life, they haven't gone wrong. You're still standing here. You're still alive. By the grace of God, you're here. You were able to get here to worship Him. You still have your hands and your feet. You have your mind. You have your mount. You have your mind. You are still blessed. God is sustaining you. God is protecting you. God is with you. He's God the Father. But He's also God the Redeemer of mankind. And he is a God who is on a mission. And we are his foot soldiers. And we have, we have work to do. And to the extent that we come alongside God, and we agree with his plans and his purposes, is to the extent that he will bless it. Because it's his. It's his plan. It's his purpose. And it's not about me. It's about mankind. God is about mankind. God is on a mission. And to the extent that you agree with that mission, 
you will feel your wind, his wind at your back. You will experience the full measure. Emphasis on full. We all have a measure, but you want the full measure of his grace and his power and his blessing and his provision in your life. We have a choice to make. We can live our lives loving Jesus our way, or we can get with the program. It's a choice. A choice that each and every one of us has in this room today. Am I doing the right thing at the right time in the right place? If you don't know the answer to that question, you need to find out. Once a year, uh, I go on retreat. And um, amongst the many things that I pray for when I'm on retreat is, is Father, am I doing the right thing at the right time in the right place? I actually ask that question more often than that, but I go on ret- <laughs> I ask that question virtually every day. When it's tough and it's tight and things aren't going the way they feel like they're supposed to, you know, when you feel like you've heard from God and you've tried to pursue that thing and then it still feels like it's not going right or coming together and you still have financial lack, the question to ask again, afresh, because we can all hear wrong sometimes, God, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing it in the right place? Am I doing it in the right time? And then God says, yes, carry on. And then I carry on. And then I trust. And then I wait. And then I stand. Because I know that it surely must come to pass. You see, if you're experiencing financial stress right now in your own strength, the following equation probably applies in your life. Financial lack plus uncertainty equals anxiety equals stress. Okay? So you don't have enough money, things aren't adding up, the debt collectors are coming after you, you've got the sheriff at your door, and you're not sure you're in the right place. Uncertainty. You're not sure you're there at the right time. Uncertainty. And you're not sure you're doing the right thing. Uncertainty leads to anxiety. It's a straight line from uncertainty to anxiety and from anxiety to being wrapped with financial stress. So if you're feeling financially stressed right now, that equation applies to your life. And the root cause of that equation isn't the financial lack. The financial lack is not the thing that's wrecking your nerves. The thing that's wrecking your nerves is that you're not sure that you're doing the right thing in the right place at the right time. And said another way, you're not sure you're where God wants you to be right now. Because if you were sure that you are exactly where God wants you to be, doing the thing He wants you to do right now, you'd still have the financial lack for a moment, potentially. But you would have the certainty that He was with you. That he was in it. And that he would make it come to pass. And you would have peace. And you would have peace. I'm not suggesting that this is an easy thing. It's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing. But it is available to you. It is available to me. It is available to us and it is the thing that sets us apart from the rest of mankind. Is that we have this amazing, amazing, amazing access to God that can give us the confidence of knowing that we're just where He wants us to be. And because of that, He's got us. Whatever's happening, however it looks, however bad, however deep, however dark, He's with you. He's got you. It may not look like it right now, but it's going to be okay. 
It may not look like it right now, but you are going to succeed. It may not look like it right now, but He will provide. And that allows you to stand. To stand. To stand. To stand. To be unshaken, to be unshakable, to stand. Until that promise comes to pass. Until that purpose is fulfilled. Because it's not your purpose, it's His purpose. And God fulfills His promises. The, the word says, the, the word of God shall not return to him void. What that means is that God cannot speak a thing and it not come to pass. And so if he spoke it to you, it shall come to pass. I've done this so many times. The reason I understand this is because I've made this mess in my life. I bought a car that I couldn't afford, that I financed, that I should never have done so. That's caused me hassles and is now sitting in a scrapyard somewhere. I've done that. I've started a business that I should never, ever, ever have started. Because I didn't listen. I didn't take time. I didn't stop to go and sit at the feet of my father and ask him what I needed to do. Here and now. It's the easiest thing for us as believers To leave God as a spectator in our lives. To ask Him to affirm the things that we decided. God's not a puppet. God's not your friend like that. He is your friend, but He's not your friend like that. (laughs) Don't play with God. God is a man on a mission. And you're either part of that mission or you're not. And he'll love you either way. But God's going with the ones that are going his way. If you're going another way, he loves you, but he's going that way. And his power is going that way. And his blessings going that way. And his provision is going that way. And best you turn around and go that way. If you want to experience his peace, his love, his provision, his grace, his joy, the fullness of it all. We've got to come in agreement with God. That's it. That's the only thing we have to do in this life. There's nothing else to do. Find out what God's doing and agree with it. Some of us haven't learned that skill yet. And we're robbing ourselves. We're robbing ourselves of the life that we could have the full measure of joy and peace that we could experience. Learn to hear the voice of God. Learn to heed the prompting of the Holy Spirit. You know, I often think about it this way. Uh, You know, I've seen how God speaks to me in my life. And and so often He's given me a word for a person. um, And sometimes a stranger. And the only way that works is if I hear the word, I go where he told me to go at the time that he told me to be there and trust that the other person is going to be here. He's going to point them out to me and I'm going to speak that word into their life and I will have done my job. But the other side of that equation is, is, is us and the blessing that we want from God. So if you're that person who God has a word for, you also have to do the right thing, which is go to the station, go to the bus station. Why am I going to the bus station? I don't know. I'm going to the bus station today. Okay? Um, At what time? At 3 o'clock. I'm going to be at the bus station at 3 o'clock. And if I'm not at the bus station at 3 o'clock, when Karabo is at the bus station at 3 o'clock, because God sent him to be at the bus station at 3 o'clock, I cannot receive the blessing that God has prepared for me. God prepares our blessings in advance. He prepares our provision in advance, but we've got to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing to receive it. You cannot be in the wrong place at the wrong time, doing the wrong thing, and expect to receive that provision for God's plan, for God's purpose. So you've got to learn to listen. 
and to hear and to be guided and to follow and to trust the voice of the Holy Spirit. We're going to get a little bit practical now. So you're in a mess. You're in the mess. Who's in the mess? Okay, we've got some people in the mess. We're in the mess. We made the mistakes. We didn't listen. We went and bought that car. We went and bought that flat. Um, We took that credit at Pep or Dion. We bought that couch we couldn't afford. We took the job that we shouldn't have. God told us to go to that interview. We decided we were too lazy to go to that interview that day. And then, and now we've done, we got the wrong job with the wrong boss. We're in the mess. We're in the mess. More often than not, that mess means debt. More often than that mess means bondage. And the reason bondage is such a terrible thing is because bondage is the enemy of faith. Bondage is the thing that prevents you from being obedient to God. Bondage is the thing that ties your hands so that when God says go that way, you're trapped and you can't. You're bound with your hands, you're bound at your feet, you're stuck here, you're paying You're paying your life away for the mistakes you made in the past. And so even when God says go that way, and you hear Him this time, you can't go that way because you're in bondage. And that's why God is so, 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 so serious about us not getting ourselves into bondage. And more often than not, it's financial bondage in the form of debt. So you're in the mess. But you want to redeem it. You want to allow God to redeem your life. You want God to get you back doing the right thing at the right place at the right time. But you can't because you're trapped. So how do you get untrapped so that you can get back with the program? There are a few principles, important principles. These are principles I apply in my own life because I've been in the mess. Still working my way out of the mess. The first thing you have to do is trust that God loves you. That He cares for you. That He values you. That he has a plan for you. Because if you don't believe that, if you really, 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 really don't believe that in your heart of hearts, deep down in the center of your being, then it's really hard to agree with God. Matthew 6.31 says, Therefore do not be anxious about anything. Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. God knows what you need. God knows what you need. God values you. So trust and know that He loves you and values you. Second thing, speak life. Speak life. Because when you're in the mess and it's dark and it's painful, and you're confused, and the debt collectors are after you, It's so easy to fall into despair. It's so easy to lose hope. It's so easy to be discouraged. It's so easy to stop believing that God can make it right. That God can speak life to these dry bones that are your finances. God can speak life to these dry bones. I wake up every morning, because I've been going through some stuff, um, and I pray a prayer. And I have to pray this prayer, and if I don't pray this prayer, I'm in all kinds of trouble. Yes, I'm doomed. Well said, Wayne. I'm doomed. And it's a prayer that goes something like this. Heavenly Father, things are tough right now. Things suck right now. Things are difficult right now. But I know that I'm where I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So Father, I'm trusting you today that you will not forsake me. That you will not allow me to come to ruin. That you have my family in your hands. That you are taking care of us. That whatever might happen here, that we're going to be okay. 
I don't know what's going to happen, but I know we're going to be okay. And because of that, I can face this day. I can face these troubles. I can face these problems. I can face these people because I know you're with me and it's going to be okay. And not only that, these people, these problems, these things, Father, today, help me. Look at them with joy. Yes, joy. Let me look at them as opportunities for your name to be glorified. Let me not run from them. Let me not hide from them. Let me not shirk from them. Let me face them, knowing that as I face them, as I overcome them, as I conquer them, it's not in my strength. It's in your strength. It's in your power. It's by your means, by, your, by you. And your name will be glorified. Speak life. Those of us who are married, um, going through this financial stress, going through this hole, going through these problems, talk to your spouse. Communicate with your wife. Communicate with your husband. Don't hide anything. Don't let them find out three years from now that you owe three million rand. <laughs> That's the quickest way to get divorced. Don't do it. In all of this, whatever happens, make sure you still have your wife or your husband still standing by your side. And the way to make sure is to invite them into this. Whatever this is, it's our this. And we face this together. In love, in faith, this. Um, Wayne mentioned it last uh, week. Um, some people, married people, uh, manage their finances separately. Um, there's a whole sermon on this. Um, except to say, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Uh, the worst thing you can ever do to your financial peace and wellness is to not be in unison, in agreement, in transparency, in love about money with your wife or your husband. I just affirm what Wayne said last week. There's so much more to be said. The marriage course has a whole module on it. Um, if you're married... Go back to the module. If you're not married, make sure you learn that lesson before you get married. If you've got children, let your children have a sense of what's happening in the family. We're gonna have, things are going to change. Things are tough, kids. Um, you don't want them to be stressed. You don't want your kids to carry your burdens. But you want them to know that, you know, we used to go to that place, you know, and now we go to, now we don't go to that place. We go to that place. The chips. <laughs> <laughs> and for them not to be confused and to understand, that's a thing now, you know, for a season. And so your children can have peace. And then the third set of people to talk to and be open and transparent with is your family. Because few people can mess up God's redemptive plan for your finances like your family. And by your family, I mean your extended family. I mean your mother, I mean your father, I mean your in-laws, I mean your sister, I mean your cousin. I mean all the people who have financial expectations on you. Those people can wreck your plan. They can wreck God's plan if you allow them to. <laughs> and you've got to humble yourself. And it's hard. Because no one likes to talk about the fact that things aren't going well. None of us like to admit that we're broke. None of us like to admit that we owe a million rand. None of us like to admit any of these things. But you've got to humble yourself. You've got to go to your mom and go, Mom, times are tough. I, I love you. That thousand rand I used to send you every month, I can't send it to you anymore. I, I can't. I love you. I can't. For this next season, I can't. Big sister, I can't. Cousin, I can't. Grandpa, I can't. I love you, I can't. And here's why. So that's the second principle. The third principle is to pray, but not just to pray, to pray specifically. To pray specifically. To pray specifically. 
to bring your prayers and supplications to God specifically. Father, I need this this month. I need that tomorrow. Father, you know the situation. You know what's going on. You know my need. I'm coming to you now and I am asking you to provide that. My wife and I have gone through this many times over our marriage. And we've gone through it just again this year. Um, at the beginning of the year, we knew that we were short. Uh, we had some financial things coming that we didn't have enough money for, that we knew our salaries weren't going to be able to cover in the next uh, three or four months. And so we had to go to God very specifically at the beginning of the year and say, God, in the next 90 days, we need you to provide this amount of money. This, that, not that, not that, Father. And our God is faithful. God is faithful. Our God is faithful. To the rand. Through nothing that I did, through nothing that she did, through nothing we could have manufactured, not through our regular day jobs, he just created opportunities. People called. People said, hey, here's an extra job. Hey, do you want to go speak at this event? Hey, you know, by the way, you forgot your own shares in this company. Uh, we're paying out a dividend for the first time. Literally, I, there's a company that I'd forgotten I own shares in. Uh, that literally, I got a call. They were like, we're paying out a dividend. You know, and there was some cash there. And all of that cash added up to that in 90 days. We're almost done, guys. We're almost there. We're going to get even more practical now. Steps to getting out of the mess. Okay. So you've got to own this thing. As much as we live in the most unequal country in the world, as much as we live in a fallen world, as much as so many of us here were born into what we were born into, we were born in the place we were, to a family that didn't have much, our circumstances are all different. We're here now. All that's happened has happened. We're here now. We're in this mess. We know God. We need to own everything that happens from here on in. We need to take responsibility for what happens next. The second thing we have to do is cut spending and make a budget. Um, <laughs> you know, all of us don't feel like we have enough. So the idea that we're going to cut spending is, is a ridiculous kind of thought. You know, how am I going to cut what I don't have? Uh, you know? <laughs> Didn't you understand? The whole point is that I don't have. So how are you expecting me to cut? Well, you'll be amazed what you can do when you have to. You'll be amazed what you can do when you set your heart on it. I continue to be amazed throughout my life the things that I'm capable of when I have to, when I put my heart to it, when I'm doing the thing that I know I have to do. You need to cut spending. If you're in debt, you have to cut spending. There's no other way for me to tell you that. There's no other, there's no softer version of that story. And you've got to set a budget. Who has a, a monthly written budget that they review at the end of every single month? A show of hands. Not enough of us. Not enough of us. Not enough of us, which means we don't know where our money's going, we don't know what it's doing, and therefore it's hard to even think about what you're going to cut when you don't know what you're spending. There's a whole sermon on budgets and, and cutting spending. Start paying down your debt, number three. You've got to start paying down this debt. This debt is the devil's noose around your neck. This debt is the thing that the devil uses more than anything else in our world to keep people from God's plan. This is his number one tool to stop you living the life that God intended for you. Because when you're in debt, you don't belong to God. You're a slave to the lender. You belong to God, but God can't use you. Because you're in bondage. Because you can't move. Because you're in bondage. He can't send you anywhere. Because you're in bondage. If you want to be free to live the life that God intended for you, you've got to start paying down the debt. 
And of course, not take any more debt as well. Uh, it's a tempting thing sometimes. You can be paying debt off on the one hand, just taking on more debt on the other hand, and feel like you're doing okay. You're not. <laughs> Some of us own a lot, number four. Some of us own a little. All of us have things that we can get rid of. Um, we live in the age of Gumtree. Um, we live in the age of Crest Crusaders. That guitar that you used to have, that you used to play back then when you thought you were going to... That thing's got to go. You know? That uh, set of, you know... <laughs> I know, it's painful. It's got to go. That exercise machine that's sitting in your, in your loft, I'm talking to myself, that you never use, <laughs> that you keep telling yourself next month, next month. No, that thing, it's got to go. You know, there's a thousand rand... Um, to be had from selling that thing. It's got to go. Sell what you can. Get rid of things you don't need. Take that money. Pay down your debt. Number four. Five. Lost track. Um, get another job. Get a second job. You got one job, get a second job. You got two jobs, get a third job. You're going to have to work your way out of this problem. Probably the least fun one of all of these things. It's what it's going to take. For a season in your life, you're going to have to work yourself to the bone. Why? Because you want to get rich? No. Because you want to get back into God's plan. The whole purpose of this isn't for you to get rich. The whole purpose is to shed the chains of bondage so that you can be ready to hear God, to receive His instruction, and to go back into His will and follow His purposes and for Him to bless and provide for you in that. We want to get you back there as quickly as possible. And that's why you got to work like a dog for the next little while to get out of the trouble that you've worked yourself into. And I'm talking about myself here. Anyone who knows me, who's a friend of mine, knows I've got like three jobs. I've got my day job, I've got my night job, and then I've got my weekend job. You know? No joke, I'm not even joking, I wish I was joking. I, I so wish I was joking, because then I wouldn't be so tired. <laughs> I'm tired, I'm very, very, very tired. But it's okay, because I got myself in a mess, and i got to get out of that mess... So that God can use me. Some of you are saying, I don't even have a job. Well, get a job. And then get a second one. And then get a third one. I'm not joking, guys. I'm not joking. I look like I'm joking, but I am not joking. Langa, am I joking? <laughs> you know, there's another man with three jobs. Grown man with three jobs. Because he has to. Because he's serious about allowing God to use them. Save. Save, save, save. I've been a terrible saver my whole life. It's a lesson I didn't learn growing up. I wish I had. I've been an idiot. My life would be so much better had I started saving 15 years ago. Okay, so now I'm living with my problems. Um, my wife, on the other hand, my lovely, beautiful wife, she is so good when it comes to saving. And so never underestimate um, uh, the way that God is going to use your spouse uh, to change you and make you better. You know? It's not just about finding a pretty girl or a handsome guy. It's about finding someone that God intends to use you to make you better. That's kind of, you know, that's a big part of getting married. Is God saying, you, like, you've got issues. And I've got someone who can help you with those issues. You know? It's not nice when it's happening and your wife is trying to help you with your issues, but you still need the help. You know? And so I'm, I'm, I'm learning. My wife is teaching me. She's disciplining me. She's kicking my butt so that we save. Uncle Malcolm sent me the most amazing thing yesterday. You know, I think I knew this, but I'd forgotten it. Um, saving is one of the most powerful things you can do to fix Perhaps the most powerful thing you can do to secure your financial future. Not just for yourself, but for the generations uh, to come. Uncle Melly was showing me on, the, on a spreadsheet yesterday that if you save a thousand rand a month, every month, consistently, 
without fail for 40 years. It's not that long. 40 years for many of us is about retirement age. So, so actually it's a great time. You will have amassed 31 million rand in those 40 years. You will be a multi, multi, multi-millionaire by the time you get to your retirement. A thousand rand a month. Uncle Melly, is that adjusted for inflation? Flat out. So in other words, it's 31 million rand in today's money. Not even 31 million. For those, some of you are clever. You're going, ah, 31 million rand, inflation. That's actually only going to be worth like 10. Well, even if it was 10, 10 million rand in today's money, 40 years from now, you retire. You retire to the beach. You're not asking your kids for money. You're giving your kids money. You're giving your grandchildren money. You're dying with money in the bank. <laughs> save, save, save And leverage the power of compound interest And if you want to know more about that There isn't a better man in the house to speak to Than Uncle Malcolm I want to see a line uh, of people Waiting to talk to this man Because I'm hoping you want your 31 million We're almost there guys Give You gotta give You gotta give You gotta give you got to give. No matter how little you have, you got to give. you got to have the heart of a giver. Sure. you got to have the heart of a giver. Because when you give, you position yourself for the reciprocal giving of others and for God to bless you and to give you favor. you got to give. Get in that habit now. Get in that habit now. Don't wait till you're a multi-millionaire. Don't wait till you've got the 31 million. Don't tell yourself you're going to tithe then. Tithe now. And then the very last practical thing, the thing that gets us all into so much trouble. So much trouble. It's like we've got to learn to wait, guys. We've got to learn to wait for the things that we want. You've got to be willing to wait three years for that car that you want. You've got to be willing to wait ten years for that house that you want. You've got to be willing to wait three more months to buy that pair of jeans that you want. You gotta be willing to wait, to wait, to wait, and to receive things in their proper time. This is the thing, this is the thing that is working against all of us, is that we want it and we want it now. We want it and we want it now. We want it outside of God's timing. It's just the same thing. It's doing the wrong thing at the wrong place at the wrong time. And so waiting is a form of obedience. Waiting is a form of dominion that God has over your heart. To only do the things that He approves for you to do. And to do them in His way, in His timing, at His place. We've got to learn to wait. I want to invite um, the band just to come up and perhaps play a tune for us or the pianist or the guitarist. Uh, I want us to go into a time of ministry now because I've talked enough. I've talked enough. There's so many of us in trouble. We're in trouble. I'm in trouble. We're in trouble. We're in a mess. And we're in a world that's trying to kill us. We're in a world that's trying to strangle us. We're in a world where everyone is clawing and kicking and screaming and everything to hold us back, to push us down, to get ahead of us. This is a hard, hard world. And so many of us are in a hard, hard place. And there are only two things that we can ask God for. And they're amazing things that God has given us. And that's the ability to hear His voice. If you can't hear His voice, if you're sitting here today and you're a child of God, but you don't know how to hear His voice, you don't know how to hear the Holy Spirit, then that's going to change. And today is the day that can change. Today is the day that can change. Today is the day you can invite God to have more dominion over your life. Let all of them that have ears hear. Let all of them that have eyes 
see. We need to be able to hear and to see and to discern the will of God. Nothing in this life, nothing in this life will more guarantee your happiness, your joy, your contentment, your fulfillment, your satisfaction, His provision, His blessing, than your ability to hear, to discern, to obey the will of God. In the big things and in the little things. In the big things and in the little things. I often think to myself, I wouldn't be married today. Or at least I'd be married to the wrong woman today. If I hadn't been able to hear the voice of God. All those years ago, seven years ago, I, I, when I heard God tell me to come and visit HP. I didn't even know what HP was, never heard of it, didn't know who Wayne was, didn't know anything. But there was this church at the pavilion that I'd heard about, and I heard God say to me, go to that place. And I went to that place. And there she was. She hates it. She hates it when I tell the story. But there she was across the room. I saw her. And my eyes were transfixed. And in my spirit I said, that's the one. I said, that's the one. He'll tell you. He knows. It's true. True story. That's the one. And now I'm married. And, and I love her. And I've got this beautiful family. My son and my daughter. And if I'm not listening to the Holy Spirit, I don't know what my life looks like today. But it doesn't look like this. It's a different life. I'm living someone else's life with someone else's wife. You know? I've been married to some other guy's wife right now. <laughs> but I'm married to my wife. And I've got my family. And I've got my life. Because I could hear and discern the voice of God. Hear and discern the voice of God. So that you can enjoy this incredible blessing, this incredible advantage, this thing that we have that the rest of mankind doesn't have, the ability, the road to riches and happiness and everything you've ever hoped for to be doing the right thing in the right place at the right time because you heard and obeyed the voice of God. Stress what stress? Peace. 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 Troubles, yes, but peace. No money sometimes, yes, but peace. The right thing at the right place at the right time. And today, if you're not sure that you're doing the right thing in the right place at the right time, come, let us lay hands on you. Let's pray for you that God may release His power into your life by giving you and helping you to hear His voice. I invite some leaders to come up front to join me and to be available to pray. This is a life-changing moment if you receive it. You get to experience God in a whole new way on the other side of being able to hear His voice. That power you've been looking for, that provision that's been eluding you, those blessings that seem like they're far, you can have them. Right thing, right place, right time. Come and receive prayer. Come and receive prayer. Come and receive prayer. Learn to hear the voice of God. And you will experience the fullness, the fullness, the fullness, the fullness, the fullness, the fullness of His joy, the fullness of His grace, the fullness of His blessings, the fullness of His provision, the fullness, the fullness, the fullness. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, that you make these things available to us, Lord. That these are not special mysteries for special people who have special gifts.
by virtue of our faith, by virtue of having given our lives, we have your spirit. Your spirit resides in us. Bring that spirit alive in us, Father. Bring it to life, Lord. Give us the ears to hear. The ears to hear the still, small voice. The still, small voice telling us to go this way. Telling us to go that way. Telling us to stand, to hold our ground. Telling us to leave this place and go to that place. Telling us to speak this word to that person. Telling us to enter this career, to start this business. Telling us how to be doing the right thing in the right place.